Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Good evening. Talk to me. There we go. There we go. Come on. How are you guys doing tonight? You guys doing all right? Man, I'm just like, I'm super, super pumped to be with you guys tonight. I know that probably like most speakers would say like, I'm, I'm happy to be with you tonight. Um, as, as many people have said, this is kids camp week. How many of you are serving in kids camp? <laughs> That's a whole bunch of you. I, can I just say something to you guys real quick? If you're serving kids camp, look at me. I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you for giving yourself for these kids. You have no idea. I think many of us in this room, it was at a kids camp type experience, something where someone else was laying down their life for you that they got to know Jesus more. And now you're doing that. I know like on the day-to-day grind, it's kind of like, oh my goodness, I'm sick of these kids. This little six-year-old's driving me crazy. I have to deal with my little brother and I have to deal with little Johnny here. No, no offense to Johnny's, uh, I'm not coming at you. But you know, it, it can be frustrating, but thank you for, for laying down your life to serve. That's what it looks like to be the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, if I haven't, had not had the chance of meeting you, some of you junior high students weren't with us here in this room um, last week. My name is Mateo. I'm a college student right now, going to my senior year at ORU. Um, I know we got some future Golden Eagles in the room. Let's go. Um, but I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been, we've been in a series in the Gospel of Luke. Everyone say, the Gospel of Luke. In case you didn't know, it's right there. The Gospel according to Luke. It sounds even more like scriptural, you know. But we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And we've had some, some beautiful messages and, and talking about different aspects of Jesus. We talked first about how Jesus is the Messiah. Everyone say the Messiah. Or also known as, as the Christ, where, where Jesus fulfilled the promise that was given generations and generations before to the Israelites to come, to lay down his life for them. And, and we see in this passage, Jesus reads this scroll from the book of Isaiah, where he says that he's come to bring uh, liberty to the captives, to, to set the blind eyes open, to proclaim good news to the poor. And we see Jesus going after the least of people, the people that were outcasts, the people that, that people didn't really like them, or they were sinners, or they broke the law, so we kind of stay distanced because we're holy Jews. And Jesus goes after these people and gives them dignity and rights. And we see this reversal where, where Jesus as our king calls us to a kingdom, not of, of being top dog, which we all love being top dog. We love being served. But Jesus flips the narrative and comes to serve. Like many of you are doing at kids camp, laying down your life for some little, little brats that maybe don't even, they're maybe not even grateful for you, but you're making an impact in their life. I don't think they're brats. I actually do love kids, but some of you are probably feeling that way. So just, you know. Um, then last week we talked about how Jesus is merciful. And if you're in high school students, I, I got to talk to you guys about this last week. This message was just like messing with me for like multiple days after too, just really getting me. Just the beauty of God's mercy. It's so, it's so simple, but yet so unexplainable that, that the God of the universe, the very son of God who created all things comes 
and forgives us and shows mercy, shows us mercy that while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as we continue this week in the Gospel of Luke, it's really just another building step that we see that all of Jesus' character, we see these attributes of God. And, and Jesus isn't sometimes merciful, sometimes just, and sometimes loving, as probably a lot of us are. Like sometimes we're nice and sometimes we're, we're very opposite, you know, because we're, we're humans. But Jesus is all these things all at the same time. And if you can't figure that out, that's okay, because he's God, and you're not supposed to be able to figure it out. But I want to turn to Luke chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9. Shout out to you guys who still bring paper Bibles. We love to see it. Are you guys more underlining people or highlighting people? Who's team highlight? Who, yeah, team highlight. Who's team underline? See, I will say, underlining looks better the problem is like, I can't, I have no artistic ability whatsoever. So I cannot draw like a straight line. So it'd be like all these like jagged curves in my Bible. It just wouldn't look good. So I just go with the colors instead. But we're going to go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 9. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, his closest friends, the ones he spent most of his time with. And this is the words of Jesus, our Savior. Then he said to them all, if any want to become my followers... Let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Verse 26, those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Pastor Chase is whistling. That is, that's a tense passage. But truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God in which the people of God respond saying, thanks be to God. Let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, you are so loving, so merciful. Lord, we're, we're undone by you. Jesus, that as we worship you, as we lift up your name, the fact that the very God of the universe makes his dwelling among us is so beautiful. And Lord, would you remind us of how incredible that truth is, that for those of us who, who know you, your very presence dwells inside of us. Thank you for your glory. That is so beautiful. That is, as we sing that you are wonderful, glorious, that we get to respond to your beauty that you have shown us in, in just little ways, in creation, in friendships, in, in the gospel, through your death and resurrection. So we thank you, Jesus. Open up our hearts to receive the message tonight. I pray that your words would cut deep and that you would show us more of who you are. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. My voice is dry. I was dancing and singing super hard. It was a beautiful time of worship, but now, now I really feel like I need this. So if I'm just taking water breaks, have grace for me, all right? Do you guys find it interesting how most of the things we find really valuable in life 
come typically at the highest cost. You know, none of us enjoy just working our butts off for something or, or you know, sometimes like we don't really want to go and, and do something that's really hard. But typically, we end up doing something that we don't want to when, when something is really valuable to us. You know, our culture really celebrates stories of someone sacrificing everything, no matter what the cost. Your mind's probably going to stories, and, and there's so many. Um, this is like, this story doesn't really connect too well. But as I was thinking about this, how, how everything we celebrate really comes at a high cost, the, pers- the first person I thought of was Thanos. <laughs> Which, let's be clear right off the bat, I'm not calling you to, to eliminate 50% of the population with a snap or any other means. Are we clear? We're good? We're good? Who, who of you guys are huge Marvel fans in here? Ooh, come on. Now let me see. First of all, I love all of you. But let's see who, who my close friends can be. Think way back. This is probably, I don't know, four or five years ago. When, you were, when, when Captain America Civil War came out, some of you guys know exactly where this is going. Were you team Captain America or team Iron Man? I need you to make some noise if you were team Iron Man. Mm. The legalists, those who, who don't know grace and mercy. No, I'm kidding. And who of you guys, you guys know where I am. Who was team Captain America? <laughs> yeah, man. Saved by grace, saved by grace. That is good, that is good stuff. I, I love the Marvel movies. I really, um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier is really the movie that got me into Marvel. Who loves that movie? That is like straight up hot take, but out of all the solo movies, so the Iron Man movies, the Thor movies, the Captain America movies, my favorite by far of all those solo movies is definitely Captain America, Winter Soldier. Anyone in agreement with me there? Woo! Come on, I feel loved in this place. I feel like, usually people are like, no, those movies suck, like, but you guys are with me. But as I was thinking about this, I, I think of that scene in Avengers Infinity War, which you, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm really sorry, I'm about to spoil everything, but it's been out for a while and you've probably heard it at least a hundred times by now. But we, we had this scene where we have this big super villain, Thanos, this big purple dude, and, and his goal is to eliminate 50% of the population. Like, Super extreme, this dude's crazy. But he's, he's kind of like chill, so it's like you're crazy, but you're not like Joker crazy. Like you're just crazy, but like normal. It's, it's weird, but, but we, so we have this thing where, where Thanos, he just goes and he just destroys. He gets all the Infinity Stones. It's a super epic movie. At the very end, we see Thor come with his like brand new ax. Thor is so epic in Infinity War, so epic. But he comes, he throws the ax at Thanos, gets him in the chest, and he hits him with the, you should have aimed for the head. And, and he snaps, and there goes 50% of the population in the dust. But we have this scene where, where Thanos is on the Soul Stone planet. Some of you guys are just like seeing all, where is it? What is it? Say it again. Morag? I didn't remember the name of it. I was going to say I feel like a nerd, but we have more, more nerds who know it, which is awesome. I'm all about it. I celebrate that. But he's on Morag, the Soulstone planet, and he has little Gamora, uh, little green girl, and, and she asks him, did you do it? His mission to eliminate 50% of the population. And he says, yes. I don't know if this is a good impersonation. I'm just giving you guys an epic voice, something a little deeper, you know. I don't have the deepest voice, but... And then, and then she asks, what did it cost you? And he says, 
everything. But we see, we see this thing where Thanos is willing to do literally whatever it takes to get those six stones. And so the next movie, uh, Avengers Endgame, which is so epic, Captain America, once again, to harp on Captain America, he gets Mjolnir and it's like this epic scene of like, this is what we've been waiting for. It's epic, but, but we celebrate these stories. We get attached to these stories of someone giving everything, like Iron Man paying the price in order to get 50% of the population back. We celebrate these stories because we all wanna be part of something greater than ourselves. Are you guys tracking with me? Like just doing life r- regular, we look at celebrities or we look at certain, certain cultures or certain people and we're like, I want to be that when, when I'm older. I, I wanna be able to get that status. We love and celebrate these stories. We're willing to, to go for whatever cost. When I thought about what this looks like in my life, um, I was, I still am, I, I love the game of basketball. Who loves basketball in here? Are any of you guys keeping up with the NBA playoffs? Who watched that? The, yeah, I know, I know my brother and sister-in-law back there are. I love it. I love it. Uh, the Clippers and Suns game yesterday was in seven. insane. Devin Booker just went off. Some of you guys are like, what is he talking about? I feel like every week I'm just lending myself to some analogies that some, you guys won't even know. But that's okay. I got like a few and that's what counts. But I, I grew up being a huge, huge basketball fan. It was my life. It's what I wanted. I wanted to play in the NBA as a seven-year-old. I had a lot of dreams. I wanted to like play in the NBA, be a chef, be president of the United States, and be a pastor. I don't, maybe one of those things will happen. We'll see. I don't know. But I grew up just... I was a hardworking kid because I didn't really care what the cost was with the amount of hours I had to put in for basketball. I was, I was gonna go big. I remember as a sixth grader, I remember this so vividly. I, I remember, some of you guys are in sixth grade in here. So imagine like me, your size, sixth grade. Actually, I was like a tiny sixth grader. So imagine like four foot eight, like super skinny, this tiny kid. And, and I'm out, it's a summer day in Colorado. I got cones set up in the driveway. I'm doing tween cross, tween cross. I'm doing dribbling drills. I was like a 10 year old. And then I'm, you know, getting a hundred free throws in and I'm doing all these drills. And then I had the speed ladder. Who, who of you guys know what a speed ladder is? Some of my athletes in the room, you know, you're doing your feet work, you know, two in, two out. And then to finish off the whole workout, I, I would do sprints up this hill. I live out in the forest and monument. So there's this big hill up in the front yard. So like a normal 10 or 11 year old, I'm literally sprinting up the hill, jogging back down, sprinting up. Like I, I've ne- I haven't met too many other 11 year olds that do this, but I was dedicated. I was going to the NBA and none of you could convince me otherwise. But so I'm grinding. And as I'm, you know, on my third or fourth sprint after, you know, two, three hours of working out, I feel a little stirring in my stomach. And some of you guys know exactly where this is going, but I'm like, you know what? I wanna be a champion, I wanna, I wanna make it to the next level, I'm paying the price, I'm, I'm, t- I'm, I'm okay with the cost. So I keep going with them sprints and probably after five or six, maybe seven, cause I was a beast, I was an 11 year old, it's been, it's been downhill since. But uh, I, I finished the sprint and I'm, I'm coming back down and it's, it's time to give away. And I bend over and you guys know where it goes from there. As an 11 year old, I am puking because I'm working out so hard. But my, my point is, is that Sometimes when something really matters to us, we're willing to pay the price no matter what. The cost doesn't really matter to us because we see it as worth it. Everyone say worth it. In the same way, Jesus calls his disciples in this passage to, to pay the ultimate price. As we read, if we're gonna go back to, to verse 23. 
As we read this, I, I want you to think about what the cross meant to the people in this day and age. You see the cross, we look at it now and it's this beautiful art piece. I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this last week. I really do love this thing. It's beautiful. Or we talk about, you know, the cross as almost this, this sign of... <laughs> Drew, Drew, you're messing with me back there. I can't even see it. <laughs> but, you know, the cross becomes this beautiful art piece or, or sign of love or sign of Christianity. But make no mistake, the cross over 2,000 years ago was a sign to the worst of the worst. If you were a criminal, a zealot, a murderer, if you were uh, rebelling against the Roman Empire, they would embarrass you, scoff you, and torture you, and put you through the worst kind of suffering and crucify you on the cross. It wasn't a beautiful image. And Jesus is saying this to his disciples before he ever goes to the cross. So imagine how, how strange and ironic this sounds, that like Jesus calling them to take up their cross. Let's read this verse. Then he said to them all, his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This, this passage is, in, is included in all four of the gospel accounts. It's actually included, Jesus says to take up your cross twice in the gospel of Luke, which shows this emphasis that it was all over Jesus' teachings. He didn't just like say it once and forget about it. It was something that he harped on over and over to take up your cross, deny yourself to follow Jesus. I want to suggest four quick things about what it means to carry our cross so that we can understand what Jesus is calling us to a little better. First of all, the cross calls us to deny ourselves. Everyone say, deny myself. Now, we don't really use this language, probably because none of us want to deny ourselves. It's really not very fun. But, but as I was thinking about it, this is what I feel like I've seen it in, in my life, is that my desires my dreams and my plans, I have to surrender those and submit those to God. Because so, so often it's easy to put my desires, my plans first, which is in fact idolatry. Because if you're putting yourself over God, you're putting yourself as God, and therefore you're worshiping yourself and not the God who created you. This is the exact same sin as the Israelites fell into time and time again. And like I was talking about last week, we're honestly no better. We live, we, we live as a forgetful people so often, but we live in idolatry when we say, you know, Jesus, you can take a back seat because I want to do it like this. You know, Jesus, you're calling me to give this up, but you know what, this is what I want to do. So I'm sure you're like, you're cool with it. And we often live like that, but Jesus is saying, actually, I'm calling you to deny yourself to put me first. So the first thing is to deny ourselves. Secondly, the cross calls us to follow Jesus daily. Everybody say daily. Now, I love how challenging this is because following Jesus daily is, is something that's really not emphasized in our culture. A lot, of, a lot of you have grown up in the church, and even if you haven't, you kind of, you can, I'm sure you can picture this legalistic idea of, it's easy to get in this habit of, oh, I go to youth group once a week, I'm checking the Christianity box. Or, or I go to church two, three times a month, four if I'm really holy. And even maybe I serve in kids, I do all the right stuff. I check the boxes. But, but when it comes to following Jesus daily, denying yourself daily, loving Jesus first, daily above yourself or any other person or any other thing, I think a lot of times we fall, we fall short of this. But Jesus is saying the cross isn't just something you pick up when you feel like it. 
You, you guys hear me? It's not just like, oh, you know, I was really feeling the Lord in worship today, so I'm ready to take up the cross. I'm ready, God, I'm ready. No, 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 it's an everyday type of decision. The cross calls us to follow Jesus daily. Thirdly, the cross calls us to acknowledge Jesus as our savior, not ourselves. I wanna read verse 24 real quick. We can put it up on the screen. Verse 24 says, for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. As I was kind of researching and looking into the Greek of this passage, this is how, this is how I would translate this passage. I, want, I was gonna come up with a cool like translation name and I just, I just couldn't come up with one. So let's call it Mateo's translation, all right. But this is how I would translate it. It would be, for whoever wants to be their own savior and gain all the created things in the world, you will be destroyed in your search for life and meaning. This is, a, as Jesus is saying this, for those who want to save their life, they will lose it. And friends, you'll learn this as, as you continue to live life, and a lot of you guys probably even notice this now, that as you try to find meaning in yourself and in your own life, it really falls short. And, and sometimes that can be a painful reality. But, but you know, we can think if I, if I reach this position, if I, if I get that scholarship for basketball, I've arrived. If, I, if I'm as good as, as Mr. Victor at leading worship, I've arrived in the church world. You know, I've done it. If I, if I can speak as good as Pastor Tim, I've arrived. Or if, if I can be the most known in school, I've arrived. We can try to find meaning in our own lives. And, and what Jesus is saying is, if you continue to do this, even if you get all the possessions in the world, if you acquire everything, let me tell you, it will fall short. You guys hear me? It will fall short. Some of the wealthiest people on earth, some of the most quote-unquote successful people on earth, they get to a point in their life when they've gotten everything they could, they could ever think of or could ever want. And, and life is short for them because there's really no meaning to life outside of Jesus. You can keep it going for years, decades, but eventually it'll catch up to you and your life will have no meaning and it'll destroy you on the inside. So Jesus calls us to acknowledge him as savior. And fourthly, the cross calls us to witness about Jesus. We're gonna read verse 26. In verse 26, it's, it's a little bit like a scary verse of like, wait, what is Jesus saying in this? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. This is what Jesus is saying, friends. If you are truly a follower of Jesus, I want everyone to look at me. If you're truly a follower of Jesus, you will not be ashamed to share about who he is. It's a byproduct. I want you to think about, th think about a little kid. Like if I, I remember as I was, when I was five years old on Christmas Eve, I got a little, a little kid drum set and I lost my mind. I play, my, my brother can remember, I played that thing for like, like an hour. I broke the cymbal off of the stand the first night. I'm just like going hams. Ah! Like Victor's over in like the living room dancing like a little seven-year-old does. Just like, I don't even know what he was doing. It was, but we have, it's a great family video. It's awesome. I, I wish we could put it up here. But, um, but as five-year-old me, when I got that drum kit, I was going up to everyone and their mother and being like, I got a drum kit, I got a new drum set. It's like, we do this thing. as little kids. It's like, when something is so good, we can't help but share about it. Yeah, do you guys, you guys get that? When something is so good, we share about it. 
for some of you guys, it's like, you know, you're, you start dating someone and you're just like, you're Twitter paid because it's like, oh my gosh, they're just the best. They're so amazing. I love this about them and this about them. And it's like, when, when something incredible happens to us or, or we see something as so valuable, we can't help but share about it. But then when it comes to Jesus, we get afraid. We, we feel like, oh, if I, if I witness, if I share, this person's gonna see me as one of those Christians. One of, the, one of those people that's, you know, a super religious person. And that keeps us from witnessing often. And Jesus is saying, if you're really following me, it'll be a byproduct that it comes out of you. Jesus even tells the disciples, don't worry about the words you'll speak. You don't have to like have a pre-rehearsed like, okay, I'll say this and I'll say this and that'll really get them because Pastor Tim says that or Pastor Chase says that. That's a good thing to say. No, the Holy Spirit will give you words. But it's, are you willing to put Jesus first and yourself Second, and you see, this is very similar to last week. If you, if you were with us for last week, talking about how Jesus is merciful, Jesus calls us to some hard stuff. You guys agree? Like you read the gospels and you're like, okay, like Jesus, I hear about you being loving and kind and all this, but like what you call me to is really costly. Like to love those who hate me, to pray for those who abuse me, to speak well and to, and to bless those who curse me. Jesus, like what? And now you're saying, take up your cross. Basically, be willing to take on shame and, and people coming against you and, and laying down your life and what you want for Jesus. And friends, I have one simple reason why we do this. Why Jesus calls us as his disciples to take up our cross and follow him. It's really simple. And this is what it is. Everyone look at me. Or you can look at the screen because it's going to be on there too. It's one of the two. Jesus is worthy of our lives because he is glorious. He is worthy of our lives because he is glorious. When I, the word glorious is kind of something we don't really understand too well. But in the Hebrew context, what glorious meant was it had a divine quality about it. That if something was glorious, it was like it was touched by God. It was so incredible. The Oxford Dictionary defines glorious as this. It means something worthy of or bringing fame or admiration. It also means, and I love this definition, having a striking beauty or splendor that evokes feelings of delighted admiration. When we find something glorious, we see it as beautiful. We, we get a sense of awe from it. It is so incredible. And friends, this is why we worship. We don't just go crazy and, and, and jump and dance for no reason. Like we're not a bunch of weirdos that are just like, everyone's doing it, okay, like, no, no, no. We, we do this for a reason. It's because Jesus is glorious. That when we're in his presence, when we read about who he's been in scripture, we realize Jesus is so worth all of this. And I love how, how the writer, Luke, includes this passage between two incredible accounts. Before Luke 29, uh, or Luke 9, 23, where Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him, we have Je or Peter's declaration of Jesus as the Messiah. Some of you know this story where, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he, and he says, you know, who do, you, who, do, who do people say I am? And so they say, you know, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. And then Jesus kind of stops them and says, who do, who do you say I am? 
can you guys imagine the pressure in that moment? Like you're with Jesus, you're, you've seen him do all these miracles. You're like, this guy is legit. And then he flips the question and says, who do you say that I am? And I can imagine like if I, if I was in there, I'd be like, ah, I don't wanna say the wrong answer. So I'm just, I'm gonna get some more, some more juice and a cracker Jesus because uh, I'm good. But then we see, we see Peter and in the boldness that the Holy Spirit gives him, he says, you are the Christ of God or you are the Messiah of God. And it's like this like mic drop moment of like, he, like Peter got it. Like through the Holy Spirit, Peter had this revelation that Jesus wasn't just another prophet, but he was the Messiah, he, that Jesus is the Christ. And then after this call that Jesus has to take up our cross, eight days later, we see this account of the Mount of Transfiguration. Who's ever read the story of the Mount of Transfiguration? It is, it's a really just like wild passage. As you just, when you read the Bible for what it is, it's like, this thing is like so strange. Like I really don't feel like anyone could make it up because it's like, I, I would never think to come up with some of the things in it. It's, it's wild. But we see at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus takes his, his closest friends, Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. It's just like an ordinary day for them. They're going to pray with Jesus, just an ordinary, you know, Thursday morning after they had a nice youth group, like they're chilling. They're going up the mountain to pray. And, and it says that Peter, James, and John were a little sleepy, which I don't know if you guys can resonate with that. Sometimes in prayer, like I get sleepy. So did Peter, James, and John. It's okay. But Jesus is there and, and he's praying. And as they're just praying, all of a sudden, Jesus' face starts to change in appearance and his, and his clothes become dazzling white. And, and then right after it says that is when it says the disciples were sleepy. But then when they were awoken, they, they see, which I was like, how can you be sleepy when Jesus is like, I don't even know what that looked like, but changing like face and like shining white. And they're just like, like what? But then right after that, then what really gets them is two other people appear. It's like two other, two other people. And, and the writer Luke identifies these people as Luke, or not as Luke, as Moses. And Luke said, I was there. That's good. No, Luke identifies it as Moses and Elijah. And it's this incredible story where the glory of Jesus is on display. And friends, it's, it's so easy to, to see Jesus as, you know, a God who's so humble and, and, and compassionate and he comes to earth and he's meek and all those things are beautiful and true. We got to see that last week, seeing that Jesus is so merciful. But listen to me, make no mistake, as much as Jesus is fully man, he was also fully God. You guys track with me? That Jesus was fully man, he was humble and he served and he felt emotions. When, when Lazarus dies, Jesus, Jesus weeps. And when he sees the sick and the oppressed, he has compassion on them. He's moved, he's not just this stoic God figure like you get healed, you get healed. No, he was, he was touched in his spirit. But as much as Jesus was human, he's also God himself. I wanna invite the worship team to come up. I, when I think about Jesus being being God, I think of this passage in Colossians 1. It's, it's this Christ hymn where the Apostle Paul is writing and he uses this beautiful language to describe who Jesus is. That he, that he was there before all creation, that in him all things hold together and, and all things are made for him and through him and by him. And it's like all these prepositions getting thrown out. But here's the bottom line, is that all things point 
to Jesus. From before time started, all things point to Jesus. And we get this incredible picture of Jesus being the one that literally creates the earth. Like Jesus sets it into existence and he holds all things together. I like to think about like, if you think about like gravity, like no one controls that. And if it was like 0.1 different on either side, we'd either be crushed or like floating. Like that, that's just a wild thing to think about. Like, think about how much we are so out of control of, like in the cosmos and also like in your own life. But yet we see Jesus is the one holding all things together. And the same author, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 describes Jesus as someone that, who did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped or, or held over humanity, but instead he comes in the likeness of a servant. And friends, this is what I'm calling you to. I, I wanna say this as just, as a brother in the faith, someone's a few years older than you guys. As I look back on my life, I look back on the years and years and years I spent, you know, pursuing basketball, wanting that to be the thing that gave me identity. If I could be good enough one day, I, I would be the guy that played college basketball. I'd, like, I'd succeed. And, and going into my junior year, I had to get ankle surgery. I had an injury in a tournament. I was super excited to go in that summer, going to junior year, because I'm like, this is it. I, I played really good in my sophomore year, playing the state games, we're feeling good. It's like, this is, this is the break, this, I get to do this. And, and I remember I, I had to get surgery that summer and all my plans, we we're gonna play tournaments in Vegas and Kansas and Texas, all thrown out the window and I'm sitting at home by myself, really struggling. Cause it felt like this dream that I held on to for so long, it's gone, it's gone. Like I, I couldn't do anything about it. But when I look back on that summer, I realized that's the summer that my life really changed where I, I encountered Jesus. I was, I was wrestling through addiction and, and really struggling and, and living in sin. I felt I couldn't get out of it. And Jesus revealed himself to me. He showed that, that shame and condemnation is not from him, but he calls me his son and he brings me in to his presence, even in the midst of, of me trying and falling short over and over and over, Jesus continued to pursue me. Jesus continued to pursue me. And friends, this is what I'm calling you into tonight. I can't convince you that Jesus is glorious. I, 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 can't, I can't convince you. I could try, I could come up with some good apologetics of why I, I think our, the God of the Bible exists and I could, I could talk about scripture. I could talk about a lot, but the reality is I can't, I can't convince you that Jesus is glorious. That's between you and him. And can I say, praise God for that? That it's not up to someone else to, to define your relationship with God. That he loves you individually and uniquely so much that he asks you to have faith, not because you have to prove yourself to him, not because, okay, having faith means if I, if I do all the things, if I go to church, I serve at kids camp, I do these things, I'll get it. That's, that's not the gospel. But what Jesus calls us into is when we place our faith in him, we get to have relationship with him. And I loved during, during our worship time, that we sang so many songs about his holiness, his glory, his goodness. And some of you guys, you may be sitting in this room and you're like, Mateo, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of sick of these like big heavy messages, like praying for those who abuse me, taking up my cross, like 
This is, this just seems like a lot. Can I tell you something? That when I look back on my life, I know this to be a true fact, that following Jesus is always worth it. Everyone look at me, look at my eyes. Following Jesus is always worth it. Because I look back when I was trying to prove myself, I came up short. I felt lonely and I felt like a failure. When I tried to come with my own meaning for life, if it was the amount of friends I had, I had that in high school. If it was, if it was how good I was at basketball, that got taken away from me with this ankle injury. If, if it was in, in how, you know, how good of a Christian I was, I saw that. That's just a, a, an endless road that leads to nothing. But when I realized that I can follow Jesus because he's so glorious, because he's so holy, because he's so good, why would I not do that? It's always worth it. And it doesn't mean you're, you're gonna live a, a super happy life on earth. Hate to break it to you. In this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise from Jesus. But why do we take heart? Why do we have courage? Because he's overcome the world, because he's with us. And when we start to see Jesus as our treasure, we have a meaning and a purpose of life. My passion is renewed. It's not because if I, if I can reach this many people or do this much, then I've succeeded. It's no, Jesus gave it all for me. Why would I not take up my cross to follow Jesus? Are you tracking with me tonight? I wanna invite you guys to stand up, stand up, stand up. This is what we're gonna do. I'm asking you guys, this is five, 10 minutes that we have with the Lord where he is inviting you in because he wants to reveal himself to you. I don't know how he'll do that. It's not a formula to this thing. It's not like hop twice, clap once, lift my hands, there's the Holy Spirit. This is what it is though. Jesus is glorious. And if you don't feel him tonight, that's what I want you to do. We often get in seasons when we don't feel the Holy Spirit, like these emotions. I've been in this season for the last two, three years of my life. I don't feel the Holy Spirit like crazy. I'm not getting like chills and like, oh, I feel him all the time. But you know, I can look back on my life and I can open up scripture and I can see his faithfulness time and time again. I can see his glory time and time again. That the God who created the whole universe that holds all things together, that sees me and knows everything about me, knows how many times I'm gonna sin. That's the God who continues to pursue me day by day by day. So I wanna invite you guys to respond to Jesus as individuals, knowing that Jesus wants to know you and wants you to be close to him tonight. So worship tonight as a response to Jesus being glorious. Let's worship together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.